Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan-Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me, as always, as we get closer and closer to this uh, very unusual NFL season, uh, is a fellow contributor at Niner Noise, Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, Hey, it's podcast time. Give me a sec and I'll turn that off. So I've been doing my best to control my expectations and halfway pretend that there is not going to be an NFL season this year, just so I wouldn't be horribly disappointed. But it appears that we will have NFL football in one week. And to celebrate this potential momentous occasion... I've been listening to my favorite TV intro football jams, which I've learned that many of which are not very good. For example, CBS, just step your game up. It's not like this is National League Baseball. Come on. NFL Network on Thursday Night Football doesn't seem to know what they're doing. Just switching it up every week. Sunday Night Football just seems to have turned into a like obligatory like we have to show a game after the last two games you watched you really don't have any other choice of football games to watch so hashtag deal with it even the iconic monday night football at one time the unofficial sound of nfl football it just turned sort of meh it's almost like they're intentionally lowering viewer expectations Thus, preparing you for the pull a rabbit out of my head broadcasters that you're going to have to deal with for the next three hours. So I've made my decision, and I think that my decision is the decision, and that is that Fox continues to have the best intro music for NFL football, even if they still try to mess it up with like robots and stuff. But Fox still reigns supreme, despite well-established 49er hater Joe Buck. If anyone knows the backstory on that, I don't understand why he dislikes the Niners so much. Like Collinsworth, I sort of understood since we 
owned him in the Super Bowl, even though he's been a lot better lately. Probably partially thanks to PFF. But why does Joe Buck have beef with the Niners? If you got the 411 on that, hit me up on Twitter or drop something in the comments. Further off topic, I don't know if I told you, but I saw Buck in uh, Las Vegas. And this is a long time ago, like over a decade, maybe 07. So we're at the Tao nightclub in the Venetian, I believe. So he's alone at the bar and it's obviously dark. My buddy pointed him out to me. I'm like, that's not Joe Buck. Maybe it's Joe Buck's grandfather. There's not enough makeup in the world to make him look ready for television. And he was well on his way to becoming the prime broadcaster in all of sports. So as I'm about to go up and prove my point by talking to him and extremely embarrassing myself, up walks Paul Rudd and sits right next to him. So either it was him or his grandfather's good friends with Paul Rudd. Also, to be clear, this is well beyond his alleged hair transplant obsession, which apparently caused him to lose his voice because... That makes no sense, but it's apparently a real life thing. So I'm not knocking him for any health related issues. I think we can all agree that he needs to learn how to hide his obvious biases before he can expect to reach the peak of the broadcasting world. I wish him only the best of health. And obviously that's a horrible situation for someone to lose his voice when he's paid for his voice. Plus, he's also very talented at what he does, minor hitter or not. All I'm saying is the dude looks like Bernie Sanders old if he's not kicked up in makeup. So, Fox, please keep the makeup coming. And whatever you do with your NFL game intro, just don't mess it up with any more dumb sound effects. And every time I hear this joyous song, it brings a smile to my face. So a question for all of our Nine Noise podcast listeners. Who's ready for a little bit of 49ers football in 2020? I don't know how Razor does it. All right, folks, that's the end of my hype man duties for the day because the vast remainder of this podcast belongs to my good friend and co-host, the one and only Robert Morrison, who has been painstakingly covering the 49ers roster and potential rosterees from pretty much the day after the Super Bowl where I was crying all day long and he was researching And he has been making use of all available tools, including his abacus and his 1980s style accounting calculator. No idea what he does to those two things, but I know better to ask questions since it's well outside of my wheelhouse. Well, the day has finally come. And after many a roster projection in just a few days for us and less than a day for you, you will learn who Robert Morrison believes will make the 49ers final 53-man roster for 2020. And then 
in a few days, we will come back and make fun of all the selections because choosing a 53-man roster out of all of the 49ers players without knowing what Shanahan and Lynch think outside of what they tell the media, and then adding the potential signings of players cast off from other teams is just about impossible, but that's not going to hold us back. And in the spirit of fairness, as well as my lack of ability to shut up, I will also provide immediate feedback to Robert's final, final 49ers 53-man roster projection, which will give you ample opportunity to make fun of me as well. So in the meantime, Robert, the floor is yours. All right. So obviously we are getting very close to the end of training camp and the beginning of the regular season. It is uh, nearly upon us. The 49ers start their season on uh, September the 13th with a home game uh, against the Arizona Cardinals. That's coming up here pretty soon. Um, it's unfortunately going to be uh, an empty stadium uh, for at least the first part of the season. Uh, Chris, you're a, a season ticket holder, I believe. So you're you're pretty well aware of what that looks like. Yeah, what it looks like is me having to cancel a whole bunch of Marriott reservations that I have in my name. And they have not been so kind in recent years with the reservation policy. So I appreciate the reminder and now I have something else to do this weekend. So thanks for that. And I'm still extremely confused about the crowd noise as I think the entire NFL is. I don't understand why we would have to pump crowd noise into our own stadium when our offense is on the field, which apparently we do, but who knows? Maybe we don't like nobody knows. <laughs> as bad as our fans are sometimes about cheering on third downs and key plays. So that's something that the NFL is going to have to lock down here in the next few days because the season is coming. And as you said, it's coming quite quickly. So at this point, I say just forget about the crowd noise. It's sort of a silly thing in the first place. They're talking about a consistent noise level, which really doesn't make any sense. If you're looking for a home field advantage, how do you determine how much noise to do this really effectively? You would have had to have studied past seasons when crowds are loud and when they're not. If you really want to simulate an accurate crowd and you have to do it for every team and then you have to do it by year, it would just be too much work when the NFL is struggling to do minor things that should have been done months ago. And not all of that's their fault. COVID has put the NFL season in flux alongside other aspects of the U.S. economy, although I cannot confirm or deny. And I guess let's just be happy that there is going to be football played in Santa Clara next weekend. And we shouldn't really worry because Kyler Murray is fully capable of sacking himself without any crowd noise. It's going to be an odd one <laughs> for sure with without a without a doubt, we're just hoping that we'll be able to have a pretty good sense of what's going to happen. Um, but the, there's been lots of news kind of swirling around uh, throughout the 49ers nether sphere, if you will. One of the, the major things that will be of interest to 49er fans in the coming days is that the cutoff date for uh, teams to have their 53-man roster uh, is coming here 
4 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday, uh, September the 5th. So uh, as we sit here, we're recording this on a th- on Thursday night before the deadline. Um, and I wanted to, to do a little something to connect with uh, a roster projection that you'll have already been able to read uh, on NinerNoise.com. My final attempt at, at projecting the roster, I've done this a couple of times throughout the offseason. Um, I did one directly after the draft. Um, I did one after the opt-out period. Uh, I even did one, I think, like right near the, the end of the season. And then I have this most recent one that just came out uh, tomorrow morning as I'm recording this, maybe this morning or as you're listening or yesterday morning as you're listening. And for those of you who haven't read it, I would encourage you to read. But we just kind of kind of walk through that roster projection in a little more detail and just talk about what decisions I made, and then uh, on the next edition of the Niner Noise podcast, we will uh, we'll come back and sort of check ourselves and see uh, what surprises we had. But before we get any further, Chris, do you have anything to add to the situation or any thoughts about this? Yeah, I essentially have one thought, and that thought is better you than me. So have at it, buddy. Let's see what you got. Let's go ahead and get started. I will kind of offer this the same way that the article does, and so uh, we'll take this section by section, position group by position group, starting with the offense and starting with the most important position on the field, uh, and that is quarterback. And quarterback, I have them uh, holding on to three players <laughs> as much as I wanted it not to be the case anymore. Uh, that, of course, is starter Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Nick Mullins as the immediate backup, and C.J. Beathard as in the third slot. Now, my very first roster projection, I actually had uh, the 49ers finally, or I should say, Kyle Shanahan finally uh, learning how to quit um, C.J. Beathard. But um, I, I think with all that's going on in the in this COVID-19 world, uh, it doesn't make as much sense to let Beathard go as it might have in a pre-COVID situation. Um, the only reason for that is because if Garoppolo goes down with an injury, a long-term injury, I think the 49ers are in trouble anyway. Uh, but if he's going to be out for a week or two weeks, Uh, with uh, a COVID situation. And if Mullins is also out, um, you're just going to need somebody else around. Um, So I think Beathard will stay. Uh, This I think will will be his last year uh, in San Francisco one way or the other. I think the really ideal situation would be for him to be able to make it to the practice squad. Uh, But I'm not sure that they would be able to release him and subject him to waivers and put him out into the world and be sure that he would get back. And since there isn't really anyone else uh, around that kind of knows the system, whether or not he knows the system well enough to play well is a different thing, but um, I think it's going to be those three quarterbacks. If one thing's been proven over the last three-plus years is that Kyle Shanahan will never quit C.J. Beathard until he absolutely has to, which better come next year. Although I've been saying it was going to come for the last two years, and yet he still remains on the team, and... You're correct in that he will run on the team again this year because, like you said, they have to keep him because of COVID. So, basically, the best thing that ever happened to CJ Beathard was COVID. And I regret saying that, like, before it even came out of my mouth. But I said it anyway. And it's obviously not true. It is probably the best thing that ever happened to his 49ers career, other than Shanahan's undying love for him. So, yep. Three quarterbacks in that order. Hopefully, C.J. Beathard never sees the field, and hopefully the only time that Mullins is on the field is to clean up after large victories. 
The next group that I have is the running backs, and this will include our uh, beloved fullback position. Um, and so there's five players here. We have our Raheem Mostert, who's kind of entrenched as the de facto starter, uh, Jarek McKinnon, Tevin Coleman, Jamichael Hasty, who is, the, I think, my one and only undrafted free agent rookie that I have making the team, and then uh, Kyle Juszczyk, of course, uh, at the fullback position. Now, I, I will admit part of the hasty thing is that uh, this team has shown itself to really get attached to undrafted free agents. I mean, Raheem Mostert was one, not by this team, but he has that moniker attached to him. Matt Breida was a player who made the team as an undrafted free agent. Um, there are other places on the roster where that is also true. I'd like to think that they've seen enough of Hasty in, in camp to know that he could be good. Um, the only real question will be whether or not he can provide enough enough on special teams, because that's essentially what his position will be most of the time, if he's even active on game days, is to be a special teams player with the maybe hope that he'll build up for with touches along the way. Who knows? But if not, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. is probably the guy who's going to take that slot if it's not hasty. But other than that, I think the, the rest of them are pretty well entrenched in, in both uh, roster spots and their roles. So pretty simple there. So your prediction is what I think the 49ers should do, but I don't think it's what they're going to do. I think they're going to keep four running backs as well as one OW. And I believe that Mostert, McKinnon, and Coleman are locks. You said that you know Mostert's going to be their number one, and anybody who watched him play last year compared to the other running backs on the 49ers roster, one of which McKinnon wasn't playing at all, nor was he playing the previous season, and Tevin Coleman was struggling and then failing to keep pace with the rest of the Niners running backs. But until I see Raheem Mostert actually start an NFL football game, I'm not going to name him the starter, but he sure better be. Now, where I have my beef, and my beef is not with you, it's with Shani and Lynch, is with their fourth running back non-OW. I believe that they're going to do everything they can to ruin my UDFARB brand by replacing current UDFARB, Jamichael Hasty, with old er UDFARB, Jeff Wilson Jr. Because they love Jeff Wilson Jr. I don't know why, because he's passionate, which is awesome but he's not that great at football other than running Texas rats. And he's fairly decent at pounding it in from the one inch line. But outside of that, he doesn't provide a lot of value to the team. And I don't think that Shanahan knows what kind of fumbling problem he has. So while I am a hundred percent with you, I don't think that the 49ers will be, and they will look to, hopefully stash hasty on the practice squad whether they'll be able to do that remains to be seen all right next we have uh the wide receiver position uh this was a fairly simple uh situation as well made even more simple by the fact that kyle shanahan recently said that they expect to have debo samuel back 
for week one from his Jones fracture uh, in his foot that he had uh, sustained over the offseason. So really, the question about Samuel was really, is he going to be able to be on the active roster or is he going to have to get put on the NFI list, the pup list, and be placed on uh, that sort of inactive list until week six? Um, and it seems like he's done enough to get himself to the position that even if he doesn't play uh, week one, even if something, if there's a little bit of a setback, he's definitely going to make on the active roster, that 53-man roster. I don't think they're going to risk losing him for the first like half of the year uh, because he might miss a game or two. Um, but it's looking pretty good like he's going to be on either way. Uh, along with that is the news that Brandon Ayuk, the rookie out of Arizona State, who had a little bit of a, a hamstring tweak in practice last week, I believe, or maybe the week before, um, that he's looking to be ready to go for week one. He was never a, a question of, <laughs> of making the roster in the first place. Um, and the only reason I mentioned these injuries is because it might have been that if those players were going to be more long-term injuries, that other players might have had to step in in their place. So, for example, if Samuel goes to the pup list for that injury, then that means that there's a slot that opens up for at least the first six weeks of the season. And then you have some you know, guy who is on the edge of the roster who would be more likely to make the, the list. Um, I would have said someone like Tavon Austin, but he's now on injured reserve with a knee injury. So that's, that's not going to happen. And things are getting a little, a little thin uh, for sure. Maybe somebody like Kevin White uh, would have slipped into the, into the slot for the first couple of weeks. Um, but I think since Samuel is definitely not going on the pup list, he's definitely going to make the roster. And that means a lot of other people are not going to make the team. Um, it could have been good news for also someone for like Jawan Jennings or something along those lines, who's sort of on the edge. Um, but I think some of these players are, are more likely to be practice squad guys, especially with the uh, extended practice squad size and the exp- extended pa- practice squad rules that allow for veterans to be on the on that group as well. So you got Samuel, you got Ayuk, so that's two. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, he's in, no problem. Trent Taylor, he's in, no problem. So there's four players without any issue. And then I think Dante Pettis has done enough in camp to show that he might have pulled himself together. Uh, we talked a lot last season about how he had not done that, and he disappeared uh, for most of the end of last year and uh, most of last year period, I guess. Um, and it seems like he has gotten the message from Kyle Shanahan and that Kyle Shanahan also has understood that there's something he could have done to make the situation better as well. So, um yeah, I think that's that's something to keep in mind, but he's most certainly making this team what his role is. Eh, not quite sure. Um, it was looking like his main position might have been as, even if he was just like the fourth outside receiver or as a another depth receiver guy, that he was going to be the maybe the full-time punt returner. But um, more news that came out of uh, 49er land just earlier that today is that um, Richie James Jr., who was a candidate for the NFI slash pup list as well, is actually been activated today in the same, like it was uh, James was activated and, and Tavon Austin went on IR pretty much in the same breath. It felt like, uh, and so I had actually initially predicted that, that Austin would make the team at least for the first six weeks um, while they figured out what to do with James. And then depending on what happened there, because there's a, some similarities in, in skill sets and all that kind of stuff with those two. Um, but then after the, the news came out that, that James was probably going to be act, activated from that pup list this week. Well, when it happened today, it was kind of like, okay, well, Richie James is probably making this team 
He's been their primary punt returner for the most of the time that he's been here and a primary kick returner as well. So I'd say he's in it. Those are the names. Uh, Samuel, Ayuk, Bourne, Taylor, Pettis, and Richie James Jr. Uh, that's six. So basically what you're saying is we've been freaking out for the last week or two for absolutely no reason because the 49ers are apparently going to keep the exact same six players that we thought they were going to keep in the first place. And a lot of that has to do with injury. And I guess the the one player is Jalen Hurd, who we thought had a good chance of making the roster if he was healthy. But of course, he is not, again, for the second straight season. And look at me telling everybody that Richie James is going to be starting the season on the NFI list. And now he's back. So even I can be tricked. And I am one of the rare truthers. So... I agree with those six players making the final 53. The one thing that I question is whether Debo will actually play week one. I know that Shinny wants him to play, but I don't think that Lynch wants him to play. I think he wants him to wait until he is entirely healthy to see the field. And because of that, a player like Dante Pettis is going to have to step up because we have Bourne, the 49ers' highest-paid wide receiver in some world, this one. And outside of that, Trent Taylor's been injured and Richie James never sees the field. And if Diva's not playing, we've got Ruggie and Ayuk, and Pettis has got to play a role. So I think that he will be active on day one and Debo will not be although if he is I'll be very excited but I think it's likely that after the Niners wide receiver sign fest they will end up going with none of the players that they signed and maybe in the end this is a good thing for Pettis who apparently went to Shanahan immediately when he was able to enter the building and had a frank discussion with him about his situation and the things that he needs to prove upon and manned up a little bit. Maybe there's a little bit of a dog in him after all. So maybe he's a guy that we can expect some things from this year. You can only hope. Uh, from there, I went with uh, three tight ends. Uh, this was something that I went back and forth on and and it was really not names so much as it was is there going to be a fourth guy in here um george kittle obviously uh jordan reed obviously um charlie warner pretty obviously as well uh simply because he's the levine toy lolo <laughs> and chris i know we love to talk about uh levine toy lolo he's the new version of toy lolo and we got to say it again hooray um <laughs> and uh so that's that's important so the real question is Will there be a fourth tight end? Because if there is a fourth tight end, it's probably Ross Dwelly, who served as the number two tight end last year. The problem is, is that if there's a fourth tight end, the question is, where do you sacrifice elsewhere? There are certainly other other areas across the, the board where I, I think that they're going to need more um, depth in those places. And so in that regard, I would be shocked because Dwell is a little bit one-dimensional in a way that the other players are not as much. Warner has some room to grow, but... Uh, and you kind of know what you're getting out of him when he gets on the field, maybe. Uh, but I think it's going to be those three guys for sure. All right. We get to get into our first fight. 
I agree with you that Kittle, Reed, Warner, that's an odd way of spelling it. So I guess he can be our Toliololo. Both of the three of those are locks, but I think the 49ers are going to have to keep a fourth tight end because of the fact that they're keeping four running backs, one fullback, and only six receivers. So if they have multiple injuries to receivers, unless McKinnon's playing wide receiver, then they're going to have a problem there. And if they have an injury to Juice, then I don't know who is going to be subbing in for him because you sure don't want Kittle doing it, although I could totally see Shanahan doing something stupid and doing that and keeping him in the backfield all game long. So since Reed is not the guy you want to be lead blocking in any situation, I believe that Dwelly will make the team because of his relative progress over the last couple of years and as sort of a OW backup in that he can back up for a real OW, not very well because he's not good at blocking. He can play somewhat of a receiver role, not a wide receiver role, but he can catch the ball down the field and get hit really hard and somehow hold onto the ball. And he's a guy who knows the offense and he'll be backing up Reed, who is a serious injury risk and is unlikely to complete all 16 games this year. So I think that the 49ers are going to have to keep one extra player at one of those three positions. And I think it's going to be at tight end. And I think Dwelly's going to be that guy. The next uh, slot that we have is the offensive line. Uh, So the offensive line, has been pretty well set for most of training camp, I will say. Um, and in fact, I would say that it's been pretty well set for a long time. Once Trent Williams got here, it was pretty much like, okay, this this is the group. Now, some injuries and some more injuries along the offensive line have created uh, greater problems. Uh, I can tell you for sure that four of the starting players are set and ready to go. Um, so we have uh, Trent Williams, we have Lincoln Tomlinson, we have Daniel Brunskill, and we have Mike McGlinchey. I think all four of those guys will be starting uh, left tackle, right guard, and right tackle for McGlinchey. Exactly where Brunskill is going to go is going to depend on a bunch of other people. So um, Western Richburg, starting center for part of last season and part of the season before that. Not really a good thing to be saying about a guy they paid a lot of money for at the center position uh, is going to start on the pup list, uh, still working on rehabbing that patellar injury that he had against New Orleans late in last year. Um, So he's gone for at least six weeks. Uh, Ben Garland, who filled in after he got hurt, admirably, Chris, not admirably, depending on who you ask, I don't know, Um, (laughs) certainly uh, at least was a a man in that position. We'll say that. Uh, He had a uh, an ankle sprain, not a not a terrible one, but an ankle sprain nonetheless early in training camp. And I I think there is still little uncertainty as to whether or not he's going to be ready to go for week one. But he is definitely going to make the roster. Let's just say that. Um, So we definitely know Williams, Tomlinson, Garland. Brunskill and McGlinchey, and ideally, that's the week one starting group. I mean, ideally, Richburg would be in there, but since that's out of the realm of possibility, we'll just we'll go ahead and, <laughs> and say ideally that's the that's the starting group, because if Garland's not ready to go, then it look it's looking like Brunskill's has to and have to slide over to the center position, and then we have a right guard position, and then we have 
a guy who's out of a posi- in a position that he's never played before next to a guy who's probably a downgrade from that guy who should be at the right guard position. Beyond that, I think it's three more three depth guys at offensive line. Remember, I believe the rule uh, for game days this year is that basically they're going to be able to dress all of their healthy offensive linemen. They can dress eight of them. And if Garland is for some reason down for the first couple of weeks, I believe they're going to be able to bring up kind of like a a baseball option is, is kind of way I understand it, like a minor league option where they can bring up an offensive lineman to dress on game day uh, for the, what it'll be like 48 man active roster or whatever it is, uh, 49, whatever, it'll be more. <laughs> and so that will be helpful. But um, the other three guys I think are going to be Tom Compton, who is an interior guy and can play either guard position if needed. Justin School, who will be the, the swing tackle. And then I think it's going to be a rookie offensive lineman uh, Colton McKivitz out of West Virginia. I think there's a chance uh, that he could be the starter next to Brunskill if Brunskill has to play center, but no offense to either him or anybody else, but let's hope that's not the case. Get well soon, uh, Weston Richburg. Yep, you know this one. I can't really see it going any other way. The eight are going to be Williams, Tomlinson, Brunskill, McClinchy, the top four. Richburg's on pup list, so that leaves us with my favorite, Ben Garland. And obviously, I've talked ad nauseum about Garland, but I have no problem agreeing that he filled in rather admirably for Richburg last year at the center position, a position that he had never played before. So how high can Shanahan's expectations really be? Because, of course, Shanahan has coached him in the past. Actually, he's only partially coached him in the past because when he was playing for the Falcons during their Super Bowl losing season, he played just as much on the defensive side of the ball as the offensive side of the ball since he started his career as a defensive tackle. Meanwhile, Shanahan chose Mike Person to be the team's starting center. Then fast forward to 2019 and Shanahan makes Garland the center and Person the right guard. And for all of us who watched this last year's Super Bowl, we know exactly how that ended. And the pair's lack of blocking ability didn't just result in a loss for the team, but it also ended Person's career. So I have nothing against Garland as a player because he really just does the best with what he has. So I guess a better way of saying it is I don't like the concept of Garland and that he is an individual with a skill set that is known to Shanahan because Shanahan has coached him before. Yet Shanahan thinks that he will somehow do something different than he's done in the past. Shocker, it never happens that way. It's always a case of the infamous Dennis Green. They are what we thought they were. And Shanahan thinks that these guys are somebody that they're not. And they are who they are. And you can only imagine how aggravating it is for me when I'm watching the broadcast, not even the All-22 tape of a preseason game, and see these obvious problems that need to be fixed. And they're not fixed throughout the entire season. And then in the Super Bowl, they return as a contributing factor 
as to why the 49ers are still stuck on their fifth Lombardi trophy. So in the end, it's more a matter of Shanahan's failure to learn from his mistakes, which he demonstrated he still hasn't this offseason. And it is the problem of the player Ben Garland, a college defensive tackle turned undrafted NFL defensive tackle turned center for the 49ers. But still, he's a warrior, both in the figurative and literal sense, because he was a Air Force Academy grad. And he's a player that the 49ers hope can recover from his injury sooner rather than later, because not having him playing at center on week one would be a big problem for the team. I guarantee the last thing you were expecting was positive Ben Garland talk in this portion of the podcast. Back to the lineman. Garland makes five. Then Colt McKivitz, if he's not a lock, he's pretty close. Swing tackle slash turnstile. Just in school. And then, unfortunately, Tom Compton, who's not and never has been good at any aspect of playing any position on the offensive line or anywhere else on the football field. And he's a 31-year-old veteran whose only claim to fame is that he wait for it, play for Shanahan in Washington, and then Shanahan made sure to get his hands on him as soon as he possibly could when he was in Atlanta, and then now he's doing the same thing in San Francisco. So he's just another player that Shanahan is blinded by for reasons unknown, and a player who is in competition with school for the worst lineman on this team. He's just a whole lot older. Apparently, they say that he can play a number of positions on the line. Maybe they mean that he knows how you're supposed to play many positions on the line, just like I know how you're supposed to play golf, but I'm not a very good golfer. I was really disappointed when the Niners signed him in the first place because I don't think that he has a spot on a NFL Super Bowl winning roster. Unfortunately, those decisions are not mine. It's just confusing to me as to why the 49ers would offer the Jets' worst offensive lineman in 2019 a contract worth $2.7 million when his largest previous contract was a million dollars less than that. I mean, he's not the kind of player that a lot of teams are knocking down doors for. He's more of a player that other teams are targeting. And if he's somehow on the field when the 49ers do play the Jets, expect the Jets to go after him hard and expect the Jets to win that battle. So to summarize the offense, your prediction is three quarterbacks, five running backs, six wide receivers, three tight ends, and eight offensive linemen, which is 25 players which is, I believe, one less than they had last year. But that was the year they went a little wide receiver crazy. Plus, they ended up adding multiple defensive players throughout the year, usually for special team reasons. So I think a 25-25 split would probably be optimal. But we'll see if my one extra tight end comes back to bite me or not. So give me your next 25. 
Okay. Then we move across to the other side of the ball on the defensive side. And this is where it gets a little bit uh, tricky. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of players that can fit into spaces here. And to be uh, totally frank with you, this 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 gets it gets kind of complicated. There are a lot of ways that this could go, um, but I think that there are very obvious things that are going to need to be done. Um, so the the first thing is that this is probably the largest group on the team. There are some obvious names that will be here without question for me, as far as that's concerned. So obviously we have. Nick Bosa, obviously we have Eric Armstead, obviously DJ Jones would be an obvious guy to me. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is another obvious fellow uh, that will clearly make the team. Uh, D Ford will be on the team. So that's a pretty obvious group of five guys right there, without a doubt. Then from there, we're looking at, at depth players. So what kind of depth players are we thinking about? I think Kevin Givens is going to make the team. He impressed in, in what opportunities that he had last year. Um, and he could be a good uh, spell for DJ Jones. There's they're similar players. Givens is a little smaller, but they play uh, more or less the same position. So I think Kevin Givens is in because I don't think they're going to be able to sneak him on the on the practice squad. Salman Thomas, obviously in. Um, he's in probably his last year, uh, barring some sort of contract extension that's of this relatively uh, cheap variety. But I think Solomon Thomas is definitely going to make the team. Uh, I don't think there's any any doubt there. Uh, I have Kerry Hyder Jr. Uh, making the team because he's sort of a versatile piece. He can go on the outside, but he also has some experience on the inside, so that's also good. Um, Dean Jordan, I think, will end up making the team as well just to add to the pass rushing depth. Um, and part of that is because one of the other players that I have making the team, although there is some, there is a, a question in terms of whether or not he's going to actually be able to do it, is uh, Ronald Blair. Now, we haven't gotten any word yet on whether or not he's being taken off the uh, the phys- the pup list yet. He and Richburg and then uh, Julian Taylor are the only players left on that particular list at this point. A lot can happen, and it's still possible that he comes off the list. If he does, I think he makes the team. Because if they're going to take him off, then he's going to then he's going to make the team. I think that's that's pretty much uh, set without without a problem. Um, if he doesn't. Then you're going to be missing him. He goes on the pup list. Uh, yeah, no, it's not ideal, uh, but I think they'll they'll find a way to make it work. Uh, in which case, we're going to be looking at maybe someone like Contavious Street, who's going to crack the roster. Possibly a uh, rookie by the name of Darian Daniels might crack the roster, especially if they don't think that they can uh, sneak him onto the practice squad. Uh, but I think, all things considered, we're looking at Bosa, Ford, Givens, Hyder, Jones, Jordan. Uh, Thomas, Kinlaw, and Blair. That would be the group right there. I hate predicting defensive lines because I'm always wrong. It's like impossible to be right because there's so many players. I agree. Armstead, Bosa, Ford, DJ Jones, Kinlaw, Solomon Thomas, all locks. Hyder, can't see him not making it. Givens has played his way onto the roster, so that really leaves two spots. For me, that's already way too many interior players, especially if they're only going to play Thomas on the inside. So I'm going to go with Blair and Contavious Street, which would give me 10. So that would be Armstead, Bosa, 
Ford, PJ Jones, Kinlaw Thomas, Givens, Hyder, Blair, and Street, which is still a little bit larger than I would like given the Niners defensive scheme. I wish we had one more pass rushing specialist, perhaps a little bit smaller that could rotate into the lineup, but every NFL team wishes that. So we will hopefully get that necessary production out of a handful of players as opposed to just one or two. And with that prediction, I can promise you one thing. And that thing is that I will be wrong. Uh, Next, we have the linebackers. Linebackers, again, pretty well set. The only question about them is really having to do with their health in terms of the ability to play week one, um, but not who's going to make the roster, um, with maybe one exception. And so that's fairly obvious. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, who's been going through the concussion protocol, he's going to be on the team. Quan Alexander, all good to go, all healthy from his uh, injury and uh, sort of subsequent return last year. But I think he's looking like he's going to be in uh, better shape. And then we have Fred Warner, who's the other starter on this group. But he was recently added to the COVID-19 active uh, list. And so the question is, how long will he be out? Uh, And this depends heavily on whether or not he actually has it or whether or not he was just around someone who had it. Uh, In which case, uh, it could have an impact on his ability to be on the squad for the first part of the year. Now, um, if it's the sort of short-term variety where he's just, he was around somebody who had it, well, then I guess there's nothing really to worry about. He should be okay within, you know, days before uh, the season starts. But if it's one of those long-term, I think some team, maybe Jacksonville I heard the other day, has had somebody who's been on it for like 30-something days. If it's one of those varieties, then we're going to be in real trouble because he's not going to be on the on the roster. I'm not really sure how the, the COVID list works um, in terms of the their activeness. I think it's kind of like a IR thing, but not where they can be removed at any time if they need to. That will be interesting to see what happens <laughs> once the season starts. But barring all normalcy, he'll, he'll be there, and uh, that'll be the three starters, quote-unquote. Um, the real question will be who comes off the field on uh, – on uh, nickel and dime situations will be Alexander will be Greenlaw. Uh, my guess is at this point it's Greenlaw, but we'll see. And then from there, I have uh, two extra guys. I have Mark Dezocha, uh, who's going to be the uh, the lead uh, special teamer guy on the group. Um, and then Demetrius Flanagan Fowles stepping in as the uh, fifth linebacker. Aziz Alshair was in this position last year as the depth guy and special teamer. Uh, supposedly his camp has not been going so well, uh, and Flanagan Fowles has looked a lot better. Um, also in the running is, uh, Joe Walker, uh, who is another linebacker who has extensive, uh, special teams history, but I, I think it's going to be Nzocha for sure. Um, and then either Flanagan Fowles or Al Shair. I went with, uh, Flanagan Fowles in this case. So this is where it gets a little bit interesting for me from a special teams perspective, because the 49ers are losing a lot of their special teamers from last year. I heard you almost say special teams ace when you're talking about Nezacha. And I think that it is appropriate to call him that because he had an outstanding year last year and he would qualify under the definition. So it's okay to say that. I won't get mad at you. 
He is the leader of the 49ers special teams unit. And when the 49ers are on special teams, he is on the field, period. And similarly, Tavarius Moore is always on the field as well. And he also plays Gunner, opposite what last year was usually Mostert, as well as DJ Reed, who is no longer with us, and also Rishi James. After that duo comes Al Shair and a handful of players who spent some time on the roster and some time sideline due to injury or on their practice squad or on their couch or some combination of the three. And those players are Harris, Elijah Lee, Exum, and Dante Johnson. Three of those players will not be beginning the season on the 49ers 53-man roster. After that, we have three important special teams players who stopped playing as much on special teams when they started playing more on either defense or offense, and that's Greenlaw, Mosley, and Mostert, as well as Bourne, who is likely to be focusing on wide receiver this year. Finally, we have James, who is the punt returner and kick returner and did try out a little bit of gunner, as well as Reed, who would probably be the Niners gunner this season if he weren't in Seattle. Far too injured to play, but in perfect mental condition to give our entire lack of defensive secrets to P. Carroll. You really figure that after a career of bending the rules, breaking the rules, looking the other way, or general unethical behavior, that he would be a lot better at it. But back to the linebackers, their ability to play special teams outside of Quan and Warner will end up playing a significant role as to whether they make the roster or not. So Greenlaw is obviously lock, and... Nizaj is a lot as well. And although he hasn't played as well as we would have liked this preseason, I think that Aziz Al Shair is also going to make the roster. Now, whether DFF, we can call him that. Can we call him that? Can that like be a thing? Whether he makes the roster, I think he's more competing against some of the players in the secondary than he is against any of the linebackers because his role is really going to be more of a special teams role than it is a linebacker role. And the only way that isn't the case is if Warner ends up missing significant time or for some reason the Niners decide to take nine defensive linemen instead of ten. So I'm going to err on the positive side and say that DFF finds himself on the practice squad after this weekend. All right. Then we have the defensive backs. The defensive backs is quite a group. <laughs> um, and I, I did it in two sections. I have a group of cornerbacks and then I have safeties. We'll start with the safeties because the safeties to me are, are pretty simple. Um, we have the two starters, which is Jimmy Ward and Jaquaski Tart. And then to me, there's just two depth guys, Tarvarius Moore, who featured pretty heavily in the team 
late last year, especially in the Super Bowl. He had an interception in the Super Bowl. Uh, I think he's definitely uh, going to stick around. And then uh, as far as a reserve player for uh, Joukowsky Tart, I think it's going to be Marcel Harris as good a player as Jonathan Cyprian, I believe is how you say it, has been in camp. I just think the the Niners will like the youth of Harris and the fact that he's been around the team and under the circumstances, I think it just makes sense to keep him around um, rather than have Cyprian essentially be your backup. Jared Maiden is another interesting name at safety, but I think he's a guy they're going to try to keep uh, on the practice squad and try to slip him in there. He's a versatile guy who's played at all positions across the defensive backfield, but I just don't see him making the team necessarily. Um, so those are the safeties, four of them pretty simple. And I totally agree with your wise assessment that those will be the four safeties that end up on the 49ers final 53-man roster. And one reason why is because Marcel Harris is an important member on special teams and Cyprian doesn't really play special teams. And to be honest with you, I think the real nail in the coffin for Cyprian was when he told the press that he wasn't really interested in playing on the 49ers practice squad that he wouldn't accept such an offer. Considering what Lynch has recently gone through with Mostert, if I had to guess, I would say he didn't take very well to this third-string no-name safety demanding to be either on the roster or else. The cornerbacks are a little more difficult, although there's definitely names here that are locks here. So we have Emmanuel Mosley, who I think is looking to be the starter opposite Richard Sherman. Uh, those are the, the first two guys. Uh, Kwan Williams is going to be your slot starter, and so he's all locked in. So there's three guys there. Uh, Kella Witherspoon and Jason Verrett, I think, are both still going to make this team. Uh, the question is, who will be the sort of next guy up between the two of them? Uh, Witherspoon was the starter, of course, last year, and then got hurt in week three. Mosley came in. Well, actually, let's be clear. Uh, Verrett came in first and got burned um, a couple of times uh, in that Pittsburgh game that they nearly lost. And then uh, consequently uh, went on the IR, maybe out of shame. I don't know. Uh, and then Mosley stepped in and took over and pretty much held the job down for the rest of the year. Uh, they did try to put Witherspoon back in for the uh, the playoffs. And he uh, Stefan Diggs made him look bad. And he did not get back as a starter for the rest of the year. So I imagine that's the way that's going to be. That's five right there. Um, the 49ers did already release Jamar Taylor, the veteran out of Boise State who played in Seattle last season. So he's out of the picture for sure, um, which basically leaves us with um, Tim Harris, Dante Johnson, and that's and that's it. Those are the other two options as far as cornerbacks are concerned. Uh, we've done the Dante Johnson before unless they plan on stashing him on the on the practice squad, which they could. He knows the system. He's been around the team a lot. Uh, I think he might be done for. Harris is interesting. I actually have him making this team simply because they don't want to subject him to waivers um, and lose him altogether. They spent you know a draft pick on him not uh, last year. He was injured all of last season. If you think about it, the, the deep guys in this position are essentially either special teamers or guys that are not going to be active on game day anyway. So I think you put him on the roster to save him and make sure that he doesn't go anywhere, um, allow him to continue to build up his skill and continue to improve and continue to rehab a little bit if he needs to do that and just make sure he's ready to go. Um, so I think six uh, cornerbacks, Harris, Mosley, Sherman, Barrett, Williams, and Witherspoon. You know, when you were talking about 
the pointers placing Brett on IR due to shame. What I heard is that they just put him on IR and then just sent a tape of those two plays with absolutely no additional explanation, and the NFL immediately approved it. And on those two plays, the Steelers must have had some really good intel and known something that the Niners didn't because they wasted no time. I mean, they went right after him and right after him again. Like, they knew exactly what was going to happen. Now, outside of Harris, who I think is going to make it to the practice squad because there really isn't a lot of good NFL tape on him, I have the exact same other five (laughs) cornerbacks in starters, Mosley, Sherman, and semi-starter Williams, and then Brett and Witherspoon as the two unknowns. And then the last thing that we have are the specialists, and these are, you know, pretty simple. Uh, We have Robbie Gould as the kicker. He's not going anywhere for probably at least another year, maybe two, depending on what the contract looks like. Uh, Kyle Nelson is going to be your long snapper again. Look, I know it's it seems like a not that important of a thing, but it really is, and there were some issues with the long snapping early last year while he was out on suspension. And then... Good old boy, Mitch Wisnowski. He's not a good old boy. Uh, Chris's boy is what I mean to say. Mitch Wisnowski, uh, the second-year punter out of Utah and Australia, will be the punter. And that's it. Yeah, the Niners must have set some type of record by having four different long snappers last year. Like, Nelson, just lay off the PEDs. Go on, bro. And then two final special teams points. Wichnowski is not my boy. I've been asked if I'm his brother as well as if I'm his personal assistant, but I've never been accused of being his father. And second, I am currently wearing his jersey because I had a fancy draft earlier today. So there. That's 53 guys. Um, Chris, any thoughts about any of this? Any Anything you'd like to share about your feelings <laughs> about any of the roster things before we close up for today? Oh, man, I thought we were going to get all personal stuff when you're talking about feelings, but just specifically about this roster. Um, my one feeling is that I did not get this right because I do have 53 players, so that's good. But five linebackers and four five cornerbacks and four safeties. That's not really going to cut it, I don't think. So I need a 54-man roster because otherwise I added somebody somewhere that doesn't deserve to be there. And I really don't think it's tight end, so I'm not sure where it is. But I am excited to find out. And to our listeners out there, make sure to check out Robert's article, which does go in-depth into each position group and is quite thorough, and I know he put a lot of work into it, and it is a great read. So I will link to it in the show notes and read it, or else I shall not play on your practice squad. All right. Thank you, everyone. Chris, great thoughts. I appreciate that, and I appreciate all of you for listening out there. Um, If uh, you would like to get more depth on my thoughts about this uh, projected roster, you can, again, check out the piece on NinerNose.com. And then we'll be back later to uh, to check and see how we did, check our work, so to speak. But um, thank you, as always, for listening to the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. We are looking forward to getting back into the regular season with you and really get a chance 
to talk about Niners football all year long in what will be the strangest year on record. Uh, <laughs> so um, as, as always, uh, definitely give it a rating, give it a review, and uh, share the podcast with your 49er fan friends. And uh, we will see you next time, Niner fans. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.